Hi, I'd like to welcome everyone to the quietest episode of Catching Foxes they've ever heard. So Luke doesn't wake up a sleepy toddler. Oh, man. Who didn't nap. Ugh. Isn't that the best? Yep. Why do they hate sleep so much? I don't know. I, if I was, I mean, like, truly, I just don't understand it because, like, I would love the ability to sleep as much as a toddler does. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's beautiful. In fact, today, so last night we had our patronal feast party and then we, we left one place at like midnight, the big reception hall. And then we went over to a friend's house until 2 a.m. And then got home after Christmas. <laughs> and then we got, so we got home around 2 a.m. And went, went to sleep, woke up. I woke up a, a whole bunch of times throughout the night, but because I haven't drank alcohol yeah, in yeah. in 31 days, and then and it really like I, when you walk in, they hand you a glass of champagne, and so you're walking around. I'm you know we're all in black ties, black suits, all that stuff, and um, drinking champagne. Black ties typically a tuxedo, but you know, you're fine. Right. So I wasn't wearing a tuxedo. It said cocktail attire, black tie cocktail attire. I know. Michael Gorman. I know. I failed. I failed. I did. I did buy fancier clothes but just under the the dark gray tuxi or dark gray suit coat that i had is that bad did i fail i failed there. 90 percent of the men in there were dressed like john wick and then i walk in dressed like uh i'm the death of a salesman i did go to joss a banks and uh, got this thing <laughs> actually actually i crossed the i crossed the line and i went into target <laughs> I haven't been to Target. I haven't been to Target since they started selling clothes with genital pouches and women's bathing suits. So I was like, "Well, okay, I need a shirt, and I didn't plan my life well, so it's four hours before we gotta go to this thing." Anywho, I'm an idiot, but I went and I had a great time, and we stayed up late, and then I took an hour and a half nap today after I woke up at nine. I was like, "Shane, I'm kind of cold. I'm gonna go upstairs and grab some." sweatpants and i walked upstairs and i just looked at my bed and i was like screw it and i just jumped in bed <laughs> didn't tell her and then i came downstairs an hour and a half later and it was lunchtime and so i was making myself lunch and everyone else had already eaten and i looked at shannon and she looked at me and she goes i'm going to bed and she, <laughs> she went she took like a three-hour nap it was epic and it felt oh, great Mike, we had a big rainstorm last night and thomas you know thomas is the mischievous one right so he cra- he's playing with our neighbors who climb over our back fence and he cracks open the door and he goes, daddy, these big, big eyes. And he's like, daddy, can I play in the mud? And what that means is, can he lay down in three inch puddles of muddy water that accumulate various areas of my, and I'm just like, dude, no, I don't want you head to toe. And he's like, <laughs> so he shuts the door and then he opens it back up and I go, what? And he goes, please. And I was like, well, why am I saying no? It's not like we're going anywhere, doing anything. I was like, yeah, go yeah. do it. And they had a blast. They were covered. It looked like, I mean, it looked like they got caught out in the middle of, I don't know, a hurricane. And they're just like, Ugh. so <laughs> I have zombies. seen things. <laughs> you don't know what I've seen, father. Can so, yeah. I, tell you so, what I was just going to say, so your microphone sucks because your microphone died. So you're oh, just on so. your headphones. So <laughs> I, I don't, that popped in my head. I was like, oh, we should tell people now. Yeah. Hey, what so. are you going to say, Luke? 
So, yeah, so, um, no, so I apologize for the bad audio, but uh, we got to figure out what's going on with it. It's, this has been happening for a couple of weeks, as everyone knows. It's either the microphone or it's a focus right. So, uh, patreon.com slash CF, <laughs> please. That's yeah. what we'll be paying for all this. So, thank you to all of our patrons and the Discord. It's been really, really fun. So, uh, people are enjoying the stickers and people that get the shirts are enjoying the shirts and all the stuff they're getting through Patreon. So, it's been really cool to see it. That um, it's kind of it's got its own life. It's really fun. Yeah. I just get an email notification. Your Patreon or your patrons are receiving merch this month. And I'm like, sweet. I don't have to do anything. Can you forward that to me? Oh, yeah. Was I supposed to be doing that? No, it would just help me know as I'm like managing like finances and stuff. I, okay. It, yeah. it, it just kind of helps me know like what to expect for the month with certain things. Okay, sure. So I, okay. I, I've got to cancel some stuff that we're paying for that we're not really on you, sorry. <laughs> this is called Habit of Business, meaning when you never touch space about your LLC. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Tax forms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have an interesting topic. Okay. Interesting topic. It's two things kind of related, kind of not. So let me start with like the heavier one, and then I'll go to the second one. I want to write this down so I remember it. Okay. Payment and close. This sounds like a good, good place to write it down. One will be deconstruction. Two will be Jonah Ray. Okay. So, Gomer. Do you remember like six to ten years ago and everyone and their mother was deconstructing in the process? Yeah. And it was very fun. So, yeah. I was thinking Derek, about this. What was his name? Derek. That we Derek had Webb. We had, Webb. Him, we had him on about a half hour. We, we had all the deconstructions on our show. Derek Webb, Aaron Gillespie. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Father, Father James Martin. <laughs> Seriously, we really did. <laughs> to a certain, I wouldn't say that Aaron Weiss ever deconstructed, but he just got weird. But he was all, yeah. you know, always like, I firmly believe he, he will be a saint. He's just beautiful. There are some people who are just like holy, and it's like you know what? Like, I'm not going to worry about your doctrine. I'm just not. Yeah, there, <laughs> there are certain people figure, that just feel so set apart. Yeah, like I, I would say that to a certain extent, Jay Claiborne is is like that. Hmm. There's just a, we also had on who has, as far as I know, has a deconstructed propaganda has to a certain extent. Lecrae. Oh, I should say that. I don't, I don't know if, if if he has. Oh, Lecrae de- deconstructed. Oh man, yeah, I listened to an a show no. with him and he was that talking would, about that bumps me out well it, it's funny because like the way he talks about like this is the thing that bothers me with the deconstructionist this is what the lead singer of skillet said when the what's it called gun gunthor guntor gun gunner gunter gunter gunger 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 yeah, that that that, that bump. they were kind of the first the, the jars of clay guy is deconstructed yeah well the so the gunger people were interesting <sighs> because they were it was a husband and wife and they were pastors of a church together that grew super rapidly and when she talks about their deconstruction she basically says you know we were musicians who were motivated by a christian faith and then we go and we do all of this stuff so it was basically like the rise of hillsong was the rise of them and they and she just basically said, and they constantly put a microphone in front of our face to like at these Christian concerts yeah. to like he's like, who am I? I'm I'm nineteen, and you've said this a million times when you were at Tooth and Nail concerts where it's like, I'm nineteen years old telling people how to live their exactly. Christian life, and they they don't know. It's but then, but for them, yeah, but for them, they were so so good at what they did, and they marketed it so well that they became pastors, that they developed a church around themselves without really intellectually mastering the christian faith and i didn't i didn't realize this so protestant seminarians 
attend for three years. So Protestant seminary is a three-year seminary. And you get your MDiv, Masters of Divinity. But the Catholic seminary is seven years on average. Now eight with the propedeutic year, spiritual year. And it's... As we all know. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry. What <laughs> the f*** you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, so this was a big deal because Pope Francis really wanted this reform in the seminary system. Yeah. And so he was really okay. big on it. And then when I'm at St. Anthony's, we always have a seminarian every year. We get assigned a seminarian. And then we got assigned their propedeutic year. So like eight guys would show up at our parish and they do this spiritual hmm. formation stuff. Okay. And Sorry, then, I'm not I'm yeah. laughing at you. It's just like, it's like, no, that was stupid. Said it, it was yeah. like, of course, everyone would know what I'm talking about. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> How do you say propedeutic? I think I'm actually saying it wrong. But anywho, so there's all of this like years of formation that go into a priest. And three years of formation that go into a preacher, and less so if you're different denominations, they don't even do seminary. So it's actually how the Baptist faith spread so much in the South and in the West is because you didn't have to ship someone back to New England to go to seminary mm -hmm. for years and then send them back to the frontier. And it was like Baptist everywhere. So long story short, she was just explaining like she had no formation. She was learning this stuff by reading as she was going, and she didn't know if she believed any of it. Right. So this is the kind of like intellectual processing that is very, very important in, in, in even moral formation of like knowing what I believe and the, the moral ability to ask deep rooted questions of your faith and of the doctrines that your faith teach. A lot of them haven't had that experience because they're, the camera's in their face and the microphone's in front of their mouth the whole time that they're just on a conveyor belt. And I felt this way, you know, when, What's her name? The other deconstructed Catholic that we had on. What's her name? The musician. Uh, Audrey Assad. Yeah, Audrey Assad. And we had said this, like, yeah, I mean, like her whole life, she just basically put on this track for good or for ill, her, how much she was involved in it or not. It didn't matter. It's just a reality. And so the the lead singer of of Skillet, like, pointed out several things. She's like, you who know, is a band I cannot stand. Right, right, right. Because it is, used, it is the new metal. That. It is the new metal stuff that Luke despises. Um, but the funny thing about. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but I'll try to wrap it up. But the funny thing the guy said was he starts pulling out quotes from from this lady about how she was essentially faithless, prayerless, had already rejected Christianity, essentially. And I'm, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but like emotionally, intellectually, she wasn't studying her difficulties. She just didn't commit. But she was still for like three or four years leading these congregations. And he's like, he's like, when when are you going to realize like. You have no, he's, I, I can understand someone like losing their faith, but typically when preachers lose their faith, what they do is they tell their congregation and then they go out and find different work while they wrestle with these things or just give up. And he's like, but the new deconstructionist people know that their little lay income is derived from this. So they just ride the wave as long as they possibly can until they can step off into some alternate business. He's like, there's no, That's like, actually I, interesting. I, well, his whole argument was like, listen, I, I can have compassion for someone struggling with their faith. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is mm -hmm. she lied to people for three years. Her and her husband lied to people for three years, doing hundreds and hundreds of concerts and making tons of money, like tons yeah. of money yeah. and didn't yeah. believe. And now has led hundreds, if not thousands of people out of Christianity because now they're hopping on the, the bandwagon of, you know, whatever. They definitely, I mean, I have no idea what, like, they're, I, I yeah, I'm, no yeah I'm not talking about them spiritually, but, yeah. No, no, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know anything, I'd be curious to see, like, I'd actually would be, 
it isn't any of our business. I'm right. curious to know what their income is like right now compared to them at their height. Well, that's like Rob Bell, man. Do you remember Rob Bell? Vaguely. Yeah, he was the guy. Did he deconstruct as well? Yeah, I mean, essentially, he was Velvet Elvis, if you remember that, and it was a lot of the, oh yeah, yeah. He was a lot of the postmodern Christian movement, and it was like let's rethink okay. how we do Christianity. And then a lot of people were like, I just think you're you're just not really Christian. Now, obviously, this is coming from like hardcore evangelicals with their own kind of thing. But for me, I love the postmodern yeah. movement because I was like, oh look, you're rediscovering Mary, you're rediscovering you mm-hmm. know, Lexio Divina. Like this is great. Yeah, we've talked about it before, but then pretty much all of them deconstructed. And his was the book Love Wins, which was that the hell will be empty. And then all these people came after him. And now it's like, it's sad. Like, I've watched a couple of his videos uh, mm-hmm. last week. Unrelated to us even talking about this, I watched a handful of his videos. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Are you even listening to yourself, buddy? You know, it's painful. It bothers me, and it doesn't. And this is—I had a tweet the other day. This is why I wanted to bring all this up. So okay. Lecrae didn't de- did not deconstruct. He was just talking about things about de- of like deconstruction esque about like he was basically saying like deconstructing certain beliefs about your church or about the culture, but not but um, not losing Christ. It's kind of his thing. Which whatever, like yeah. I, I think yeah. the like Protestantism is super weird because my buddy we had him on the podcast a long time ago its name is Nathan Smith. And he, I remember we, we, we were talking about this one time and he said that it's weird within process because who, you don't have a magisterium. So you don't have anyone that's dictating what you're talking about to a large yeah. extent. Pope and the, the Pope and the Bishop dictate the things that are important and what's going on and where the church needs to have its focus. And within American Protestantism, that's really that power is actually, there are no, like there's not like one even just in terms of like popular individuals besides maybe Francis Chan, but even his influence has declined from I would say over the last couple of years. I but I'm not in this world in the slightest. It, it, it just means I haven't I'm seen a bunch of stuff from him recently. And really, the power within the Protestant Church for where's the tone of the conversation is in the musicians and the publishing companies. Whatever mm-hmm. books they publish and whatever whatever musicians are popular, the most powerful Catholic, sorry, the most powerful Christian influencers. I don't mean in the social media sense. I mean in the traditional, in the sense within yeah. our country for the past, I'd say, thirty to forty years, have been musicians and that who are completely unqualified to be doing these these things. <laughs> yeah. to have that. To, to, sorry, to have that type of authority. It's not really even almost. Uh, it's not even fair to them. Per se, just to, yeah. and I, I had this tweet where I said I pro I um I solemnly swear that if I deconstruct, you would never hear me talk about Christianity again. Mm. And what I and what what I meant by that was I was just reflecting on that. Like, if I were to ever just thinking about people who I, I don't know why I started to think about this, but I really think if I were to deconstruct, I would just I I, I wouldn't want to stop the podcast. I would just have nothing to offer with regards to the church. I wouldn't talk about it at, at all because if I were to deconstruct and walk away, I'd be walking away from all of this. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting that like, you know, I, I, I respect like Dan Hasseltine, the lead singer of jars of clay has really pulled himself. I, this is probably what inspired me. And, and it's sad. It's, it's, it does pain my heart a bit to particularly see people that I, that were whose stuff has influenced me in large and small ways. Um, 
So I used to love jars of clay, particularly early early high school. Like kind of yeah. one my conversion is really slowly gaining steam. Jars of clay is a huge, huge deal for me. By the time I'm at Franciscan, they're long gone in my mind. But I love Dane Hasseltine and his stuff. And, and, and he's completely pulled himself out of the out of the public eye. Derek Webb hasn't. To a, yeah. you know, and it's a little bit weird when you're in his position. Right, because yeah. you're an artist, so you can kind of want to change what your art is about. But then it gets weird when you're someone like Gunger, and then you do what you then you they had a podcast and stuff, and then you like kind of switch it down to all of this other stuff, like Rob Bell. Like I, I don't know. Like it's weird. Like well, like I think as we, you and I are in positions now, where like I'm pretty much like not dead set. I'm not working for the church, but the Lord would really have to make it obvious. And I'm not, you know, as I'm interviewing for jobs with, with organizations that have no ties to religion at all, how much, how, like, easier would be the wrong word. Obvious to me that I deeply believe this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I'm still holding on to it. It doesn't mean that I don't I don't have issues. And, I, you know, of course, with the, with the divorce and whatnot, there is this huge, like, who are you, God, who am I, crisis that has been going on for the last, you know, 18 months. Yeah. But th- there's not show yourself, sense. Lord. No. Yeah, show Lord. yourself to me, <laughs> sir. This is a golf course. <laughs> golf course. Sorry, I've been I've been I'm drinking and watching a lot of cat and chat. <laughs> but my like, I would just stop talking about it, right? See, Luke, but I would you just, have integrity. Do you think that's really like? Would I mean you're a little bit different though than me? <laughs> you you all lack integrity. No, my my point is like. <laughs> <laughs> you are naturally like, you know, I like to talk about the things that I am interested in. Like you like to hold court and talk about these things. Like if you're into a thing, if we were to have, yes. a, if I was in the area and if the two of us were to like have a party, I can guarantee you at one point in time, I threw it on the party. Like I would turn, you'd be in a corner talking about whatever thing you are like into. Mm-hmm. I may or may not do that, but you 100% will. Yeah. Like, but I don't think you would like, I don't know, I could be wrong. I, I think you would just find something else to be really into. I don't think you would be talking about or wanting to do speaking gigs or write about the purpose of life. I could be wrong. I just don't see you. Do, I, I, don't, yeah. I just, I don't like if I were to walk away. And so to, to me, that makes me think like maybe they still kind of want to believe or believe in something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I were to truly walk away, it's not that I would be abandoning belief per per se, as much as be like I'd be abandoning this form of belief, and I need to figure some stuff out. So I just wouldn't be talking about this, right? Right. But also, one of the key points of our podcast that I think naturally came up from the very beginning was a non exhibitionist view, right? Like we don't want as much as we put our our hearts on display and the things that we're going through on display for people off microphone before we have ever shared stuff, we have processed this stuff internally for, I mean, a lot like we're the, the first lot, time yeah. we talk about our mess ups, failures, heartaches, whatever is not the first time we've talked about it. There are people that like if, so I knew a woman who, when she found out her grandfather died, the first thing we, she did was fire up her Instagram, take a photo of herself crying, and then wrote on it, hey, guys, pray for me. My grandfather died. We were really close. And then she put that out and took her, you know, whatever. And I remember seeing that being like, this, this is the exact wrong way to process pain. 
to take a photo of it or to go on a podcast and and process it like this. <laughs> I say that because if you and I like it is one thing to struggle with your faith. It is one thing to have mighty doubts. It is one thing to read the latest scandal and have your skin crawl and say, "Lord, really? This was your plan? These men? This this church this way?" It's you know, to be on Twitter and to see nothing but cesspools and and to feel dragged in like you got to contribute to it. It's another thing completely to be done with the church, to know you're done with Christ, and to ride the Christ industry so that you can make money. Like, like talking about your divorce, you went radio silent for months, right? Bef- you know, during the whole thing, during all this stuff. And then when you came back, you were deeply ambiguous before, you know, the, the ink was dry on the legal documents and all that stuff had happened. And you have, you've never once said a disparaging comment and all this stuff. Like you kept your head above waters. I think you would do the same thing if you, you ended up having a crisis of faith that drove you away from God. I, I don't think you would display it. And I am deeply cynical of the people who put their, their deconstruction on display mm-hmm. for money. Hey, yeah. We just want to be honest. We just want to be authentic. We want to talk mm-hmm. about what it's like to struggle with these things. We want to help other people who may be deconstructing to find a voice. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, but you're still doing the thing you did as a Christian artist and media figure and influencer. You're just doing it to be the non-Christian one. And I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't accept that. The I think I would. No, and I think you're right. And I, I don't mean this to be like a. I, I mean to truly ask this question. I don't. I don't mean to be like, here's how like, we would handle it. Yeah. Aren't we better? It's just. It's a thing that I've just been pondering because I, you know, I would probably want to do the podcast still, but I would fully know what the consequences of that would be. Yeah. Which we would lose probably a lot of our our patrons, and I, I mean, like, I would want to keep podcasting with you only because I love doing this with with right. you, but also have to respect, like, is this a thing that you would want to do? Because yeah, we'd, 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 <laughs> we'd have to change it. No, because we would. It would just be yeah. like us talking about, like, you know, I don't know what. Um, yeah. Just recording. But that's because, like, the whole point of this, of this podcast was to have the like, coming from a Catholic point, a Catholic voice. Yeah, a Catholic point of view, just discussing all these other, other things. Not trying to fit the stuff into the church. Trying to just like, yeah, come from this. And then if I were to lose that point of view, I think you're right. I think we probably would stop doing this. I would probably want to find a way to podcast with you about something. Yeah, if if something happened, this is here's my here's my solution. Uh, this thing dies completely. We kill it. We put two bullets in the base of its skull. We walk away. Close the LLC. And then maybe six months later, we have a Luke and Gomer want to talk about Marvel, or we find some. We do our you know, podcast. So, we just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gomer just bought Apple Vision for thirty five hundred dollars, and he wants to talk about it. Luke, on the other hand, is pissed. Yeah, anyway, I'm down. He keeps saying things like "techne," and I say to him, "That's Greek. You're not allowed to use that anymore." And then we get. <laughs> I just, I think, like, this is probably probably the last thing I will say about it. I wouldn't want to talk about this stuff anymore. Yeah. Like, right. I, I, I would, I would truly, like, 
be like, I'm giving up. No, again, I, I, for me, I don't think it necessarily would be the very, I'm a, um, like, the, like, I'm notion of the only way that I would, you know, really unwalk away is if I'm like, I mean, believe me, there's a, I'm not saying that I'm special for having not, uh, like, not walked away. There's plenty of times where I'm like, oh my gosh, it would just be so easier if I just wasn't doing this right now. <laughs> like, you know, like, my life would be a lot easier. And this yeah. would be like, it's almost like this, you know, I, I would be lying if I'm saying like, the only way that I know that I, from all the stuff that I have been reading about, from mm-hmm. like from a, a, from different books I've read, just like, I mean, just books, like, like these are, these would be efficient books to, to psychological things that like, when you're truly going through pain in a time of unmotherly suffering, you have to go into it. You have to lean into it. And it's just funny while I'm trying, I'm, and I don't do that very well, but I'm trying. And it has just made my belief more profound and more obvious and more like, gosh, I wish I could walk away. Yeah. You know? And I, I just like, I just, I'm like when I truly ever, when I let my mind go there, it's, I'm like, I just, cause you know, I'm in a period of life right now where you, where you kind of question everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just I couldn't. And I, I'm like, if I could, I would just, I really think I would like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I wanted to talk about this. I just think it's kind of interesting. Just this idea of, um, of professional Christianity or when you're putting your stuff out there and then it changes, like, what do you do? I just think that that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to our conversation from last week and then that hilarious fake book cover from Frater. <laughs> that, that was great. Oh my gosh. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. I hopped on Twitter for like five seconds and I see this book cover that he made of the tent maker, whatever. It's like how to go from service to success or something like that or <laughs> church service to success or uh, yeah. And then it, what did it say about you? Like it was a quote from you and it's like watching someone walk away from the podcast live or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. It was, let me find it real quick. So it's a guy who does like book. They're like, it, uh, oh, they gosh, are it was satire book covers and this guy, he's such, he's a really good dude. Um, so the, the quote, it's, it's called a, a hustler's guide to tent, uh, to tent making <laughs> from ministry to money by Michael Gomer Gormley from a professional evangelist and former host of Catching Foxes and former first, host. And the, and the quote from me is a firsthand look at a friend moving on. <laughs> and then from Matt and Fred, it's um, a succinct guide for moving from service to success. <laughs> I have become it's Matthew so Kelly. <laughs> it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. That was um, that was, when I saw that, I like, at first I was like, whoa, he misread what I was saying. Like, I'm not leaving ministry, but then. I was like, Gormley, it's just funny. Calm down. And then I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I really did. And I, it, it made me pause because I was like, did I make it sound like I'm walking away from ministry forever? Or that I it would be funny if I have this full-time job that's so, you know, in anywho. I uh I I Luke, that was so funny. That was so funny. But it made me think of um I, I was interviewed by this show called um in the pews it's a local houston catholic guys and i was in an episode and it's funny on youtube this video appeared it said why michael gormley this is how they titled the five minute talk 
why Michael Gormley will never leave St. Anthony's. And it came up on my YouTube feed like literally two weeks after I quit. And I was like, wow, okay, so there's a signpost. And I rewatched it. And everything I said in it, I agree um, still with. But the idea at its core was like ministry is not something I can turn off. Right. I'm at a place in my life where it's not. And and this is the thing where I would draw a line between me and Gunger or something like that. If I left church work, it's honestly, I believe this, and this might be a prideful, arrogant thing to say, but it's because I think I can do ministry better. And it's not because I think I'm going to go. It's not about just earning more money because there's a there's a you know ceiling on wages or whatever it's because i think like if i'm still if i'm doing ministry to dads i know that there's a lack of buy-in with a lot of people because i don't say oh i work in the corporate world and this is how i bring my faith into my daily life i'm like let me give a talk on faith and work i work for the church you know and they're, they're they're already discounting what i have to say and so the the elements of that are it, it's just funny because my whole life has been shaped and formed around this. And then so I was talking mm-hmm. with Shane and I said, Shannon, what, what, let's just throw out. Cause it, it's all from this funny book cover. I go, what if I, I went full time into a secular career and she looked at me and she goes, yeah, right. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah, right. She goes, listen, even if you do that, you will never be full time secular career. Or anything you will always be the, like, if you can't get on the plane and give talks, You'll be doing it at every, you know, yeah. church event we have, like, just like you said, like holding court. And she's like, you would be the most involved lay person. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's like, it's again, you're not divorcing these two things. It's just a different mode that that thing happens. And it's like, it's really hard for me to, even though I've told this to other people, I have to tell it to myself. Well, and, and I think it's, it can be a little, I mean, we live in a culture where those things are split. Yeah. You know? I mean, I won't ever forget being at uh, this with when I was doing high school youth ministry stuff, being at a thing for uh, this one person that we did a lot of work with and uh, for one of her big high school projects. And one of one of this, it was at an all girls Catholic school. And one of the sisters there said, wow, you must be really spiritual. Like this must be a thing that you're, that you are I'm really into. And I was like, it's just the church. I, it's, it's, yeah. But like in everyone's mind, the stuff is now split. There's, yeah. We don't have an integrated hold to anything, really. We don't. So it's like it's not so much you as it is like the culture has shaped your brain to view it as different things. Yep, yep. And you know, a lot of my the buddies, only place it's not as I is like at Franciscan because it's yeah. viewed as like a, a career option. So everyone's um, and you don't have like that view of like a, of like a solid understanding of what a career is. So it all makes sense there. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, I, yeah, I would say in the last, so I quit my job on May 8th. It's February 3rd. So ever since then, I would say I have been on the deepest personal journey spiritually than I have been in years, probably since my marriage or becoming a dad, like, because it's so, um, when you leave a thing you've done for 17 years and then come over into something else, it's like your whole, every day, my priorities were shaped and formed around this thing. And I'll tell you, 
you know, uh, gosh, what was it? It was in the Soul of the Apostolate, right? The or, or whatever guy, you know, um, Jim Beckman talks about and you talk about the difference between reservoirs and chains. Oh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Yeah. So the, the reservoir <laughs> is the right way to do ministry, which is you let the Lord fill you up. And then from your overflow, like a reservoir that then is filled over, that's how you water others. In But many youth ministers, especially, and other people, we, we're not, you know, priests have human formators. They have spiritual directors. They have mentors. They're paired with brother priests who are older than them, you know, when they graduate and or when they finish school and they go and get, get ordained and all that stuff. And it's like, for the laity, we don't have houses of formation in the same way. And we don't have formators and spiritual directors. Most priests say they can't take on new people. So all that being said, we, we have a, we become channels almost by default. Like, hey, I did this Bible study. Let me tell you what I learned. Hey, I did Father Mike Schmidt's catechism in a year. Let me tell you what I learned. And we're constantly drawing the things that benefit us. And we're constantly giving that away all the time. And in the last year or so, you know, a little bit less than a year, I have felt more like this is mine. This is me and the Lord. This is me, and my mm-hmm. wife and the Lord. This is me and my kids mm-hmm. and the Lord. Yeah. And feeling like I don't need, because the, the demands of work are so like, it's there. Like I'm just, it's a totally different game. It's a totally different game. Spirit. I would agree. So that, this actually ties into my second point. Okay. But I want to say one thing really quick. It's interesting you bring that up about like the formation for the lady. Cause I think a big part of that is that like, and also, of course, the uh, Thomas Aquinas guy who forget St. Bernard of Claire, Clairvaux. Uh, that's a deep cut there. Mm. Mm. Neither can live while the other survive. No, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> people don't know they were not they're like enemies, but there's sometimes you get these two schools. And it, in back in back in the Middle Ages, where everything goes to hell, there is you had things like there was like everyone's like our like these things were integrated you had an integrated whole as related to the, like your yeah. being and work and all of this stuff so people would stop you would pray the angelus at noon you would there's a you know we have the liturgical calendar everything your culture is in sync with that so it, it yeah. like you are naturally being filled not that you can't just you know there's there's a reason why he brings this up but it's much easier to do that during mm-hmm. that period than it is right right yeah. now where the the default thing is to go 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 do 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 yeah and it it's a little bit easier it, you're, you're not gonna have as, as much of i mean you're gonna get to an existential an existential crisis quicker if this is involving the faith than if it's just like your work and this is why people in terms of like wanting to like meditate in the morning exercise do t- t- like taking care of yourself is kind of the idea of like del- like delic reservoir but it's hard because it's all up to you yeah and you, there's not some greater thing that you are partaking in that's actually pouring into you you're still having to do all the work for you yeah. but to kind of get to like the second point here and, 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 I, and this is the whole other thing we can go into of like self-help and Christianity I'm just not really prepared to go into it yet but I do think it's kind of interesting of like you're still the one that's doing it for you. So when do you allow something else to pour into you so you're not constantly doing the thing? I think yeah. the, one of the closest things is probably mindfulness, where you're, but still it's just you. So um, I'm going to pivot because I actually would like to talk more about that with like a psychologist or something on here. That might be kind of interesting to talk to Greg Guitaro about. Um, 
but so file that away. Um, I was mm-hmm. about like growth and the change that you've experienced now that you're not I'm working for the church full time at the parish and how like your spirituality has actually gone deeper because of that. I was listening to a I was this podcast was like you know I went to Denver a couple of weeks ago for a very quick trip for a friend Sarah Nichol her birthday Sarah was on the podcast a long time ago. Um, and I saw, I uh, hung out, uh, with like Maggie Smith and Scott, who's been on the podcast and all these other people who've been involved somehow. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And, um, it was like, a, for me, it was very unhealing that yeah. weekend. And I had a podcast that I listened to that kind of did the same thing. It was really interesting. Mm. Jonah Ray from the Nerdist podcast from way back when was on WTF with, with Mark Mirren. And I have not heard. Jonah Ray on a podcast that is that is they haven't been on in the last time Jonah Ray was on that podcast was was 12 years mm, since okay. 2012 and I've heard a couple of Mark Marion podcast I've, I've heard a couple episodes of WTF for the most part when I see things on Twitter someone said hey this was very good he interviewed Courtney Love it was crazy he did one with Albert Brooks that was absolutely fantastic <laughs> nice and he's still like Mark Marion is still just when he's on no one's better than him no one's better in my opinion, he is the best. And hearing Jonah, and these are people that like from 2009 to 2013 to the early 2014, basically until I get into um, soccer podcasts, it's just really those two podcasts and, and mm. some the, the tech stuff. And it was like, it was like a visiting with old friends and hearing how they were doing. Yeah. On a very parasocial way. And it, 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 it sounds weird, but for me, it was like just so great to hear. Jonah Ray right now talking about his, talking about his life, what's what's going on. Have him uh, him and Marin talk a bit about stuff. And he that goes by Jonah Ray. His real name is Jonah Ray Rodriguez because his dad died. He wanted to, he's getting more into like acting and doing film stuff and directing mm-hmm. stand up. Uh, he's not doing um, he's not actually doing stand up any anymore. And he talked about one of the reasons why he wanted to stop it, but he felt like he needed to become an adult. And then hmm. his style of stand-up was very much of the very much of like um and he's like a year old. He, I think he is your age, about a year older than me. It is the millennial type of like, oh, I'm like a quirky dude and I'm trying to date girls and I like beer and I'm doing my stuff. Yeah. And you know, he was saying that, you know, he is a nerd in the same, but he wasn't like a nerd, like say Chris Hardwick or Matt Myra on the Nerdist podcast, who are like they're real into Star Trek or tech. He's more into punk bands, horror films, different styles of old comedy. He was on the Mystery Science Theater three thousand, the nice. reboot of that. That's kind of his stuff, right? Nice. But he was saying how the success that he had with that, he felt may have kind of stunted his growth as a person because he was mm. being rewarded to a certain extent. For his juvenile interest, yeah, and as a comedian for his style, <laughs> he's very much of like I'm in my early twenties trying to figure out like how does it work with girls, right? Yeah, and he was like I'm almost, and he was like I was turning, you know, as the pandemic and stuff. He was turning and almost become like forty. I was just like I'm not becoming the person I want. Wow, and to me that really hit me because I, I think I've kind of experienced some of the same things, but I'm just kind of wondering like. Is it how easy is it to actually stunt your growth as a person? And, mm. and, and this can be as a Catholic, as like, you know, uh, like, oh, whatever. How easy is it 
actually get comfortable and stick with a certain identity and not grow. Because yeah. I'll be honest, I tur- I turned like 41. And then I'll, I, I will stop here. I turned 41 on Tuesday. Was it on Tuesday? No, mm-hmm. on Thursday. And it's weird. To say it out loud is very weird. It's like I should be much older than I feel like I should know. I feel like 41 was harder than 40. 40 is like, hey, and my friends threw a huge party for me. Uh, and my mom almost ruined it. Anyway, it's fine. And then uh, when I turned 41. Yeah, I did or I forgot. Uh, no, did well, I forget? I uh, no, I remind everyone. Um, but at 41, it was like, you know, there's no party. There's nothing. It's like, oh, crap, this stuck. I'm still in my 40s. <laughs> it's 90 from 50. But like, there is a part of me, I was talking with Aunt D about this. There's a part of me that it's like, what I'm truly able to not like, I mean, there is, there is a weirdness. Yeah. And there is a part for me, given everything that's going on in my life, that I'm like, this is not where I thought I would be. I'm 35 um, years old. I am divorced. I'm like, you know, I've been thinking yeah. about that a lot. Um, but uh, I am unemployed. <laughs> but it, like I am excited about getting older and about the change and the maturity that I am experiencing. Uh-huh. And I don't know if the podcast or other things in my life have prevented that, but I do think sometimes working for the church has either hindered or helped my spiritual growth. Mm. And it's just interesting how like there is a part of me that's actually like really okay with getting older and actually sees a lot of benefit and good things that are a part of that. And I'm not having this thing where like I but it's just funny of like what what is it at times that can prevent us from trying to grow. Anyways, I, I just I thought that was kind of like it was a fascinating insight to me that a person would, would be willing to give up a career. Granted, it wasn't the thing he was he wanted to go more in to show business and go and doing yeah. and doing stand up was the easiest way to go about doing that for him. So it wasn't like he wanted, this is all he's wanted to do. And now he's walked away, but he was, you know, he basically quit doing this thing of how he made a lot of money for a period of time doing that. Yeah. But because he wanted to do the things and also wanted to grow as a person was willing to walk away from that. And I, I think that's really interesting. Oh yeah. Grow as a per Yeah. I think there's an element where this podcast, you were the guy that would snap his fingers and go back to his twenties. Like, that's who you were. Like, my 20s mm-hmm. were freaking great, you know. They were I, so great. Like, there's elements of my 20s that I loved, obviously. And having a younger body would be great. But I am happier now than I was then. It's a different yeah, kind I, I of happiness. Agree. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a different kind of happiness. It's the happiness of of familiar forms. The The finding joy in the mundane. There was a, a line, what was it? Hmm. Oh gosh, I got to find it. It was, I, I can't even remember where I read it, but it was, it was talking about, oh yeah, it was one of my spiritual, spiritual readings that I was doing in the English tradition. And um, the guy said this phrase, he said that, oh, I might've even talked about it here, damn it. He said, loyalist. Uh, uh, <laughs> the damn I'm trying to remember oh he's talking about converts and when things start going like for a lot of people when they convert <laughs> as adults so many things go well and then when things go bad like especially like prayer loses its 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 joy and the guy the author said that they they're too new that the familiar is just mundane and it hasn't settled within them yet 
And I thought of that for like a long time. Like I would struggle with things like the rosary. The rosary was never my favorite prayer. Even though I love the scriptural rosary growing up and we used to pray it every day as a family, my brain is so bored with repetition of that kind of repetition. And I met a priest, a, a very holy priest who prayed the rosary every day. And he goes, oh, I can't stand the rosary. He's like, I know I'm supposed to tell everyone, oh, I love it. I love it. He goes, you give me the Bible. I, he's like, maybe I should have become a, a, a Benedictine instead of a Franciscan. He's like, you give me a Bible. I'll meditate on that all day long. But just saying the same things over and over again, that's so hard for me. And there's an element where it's like, even though it's hard for you, it doesn't matter. It's still a spiritual good recognized by the church. You should do it. But on the other side of it, I had not, I, I kind of used his words to give me like, no, in order for spirituality to be good, it has to be new and spontaneous and always changing. And part of that, like getting old thing that's good is the familiar isn't an excuse to hide from the world. It's how you kind of level up in the world or it's how you level up within yourself. It's a part of maturity. And when you're young, that stuff seems like you're stuck in your ways, but it's like, no, I've hit a place where I have stability and now can grow from there. Like it's a totally different thing. And that gives you the ability. I mean, think about that. That gives you the ability to say no to money that was being thrown at you. This guy that you're talking about money was thrown at him and he saw the good things that that would offer was an enemy of the better things of his moral growth and development, his future career. You know, as a funny kind of side version of this is Michael Keaton. When they offered him, when he read the script for Batman three with Joel Schumacher, mm -hmm. he's like, this is ridiculous. And they're like, we'll pay you 20 million. He's like, I'm not doing this. And they're like, we'll pay you $20 million to do it. He's There's like, going to yeah. be a song by a guy, like, by a guy his, uh, um, his name is like Seal. It's going to be very, very good and important to people of a certain age. So <laughs> maybe really think about this. You know, the terrible Ooh. film. Love that song. Kiss <laughs> from a Rose on the Gray. Great but guy. just think about that. He's like, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do it. It's a dumb movie. Mm -hmm. And he walked away from it. And you think about like the, it's not just the level of, it's like this internal strength and self-respect that can only come with stability right an interior character and that only in, in a certain way i i think that is denied the young just because most of this is earned by experience there are shortcuts yeah. there are shortcuts that people can take but you got to be one hell of a of a listener it's funny you brought up michael keaton there is a video of him sorry i just had a bug land in my hair and i <laughs> smacked my head and i smacked my headphones Sorry, that's a dang mosquito hawk got in my head. There's a video of Michael Keaton um, very recently talking about how he basically took some time off to act to hang out with his kids to be able to, yeah. like, while they were growing up. And he was like, I don't regret it at all. He goes, I know I lost out on gigs, I lost out on, on money, he goes, but I don't regret it. And you could see a lot of these younger actors kind of here and be like, wow, it's like they're like, I wouldn't do that. You know, that Right. It's like good for you. Like I think they see the good, but also like they're asking themselves if they could actually do that. And they should probably at that point in time no. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's it was funny to hear like Jonah Ray talk about um again, like this is the person I have spent hundreds of hours with here. You know, I have as much of a parasocial relationship with him if if not more than our listeners do with me. Right? Because I there was yeah, I mean, it's for years, years and years and years, twice a week. <clears throat> And by years, years, I mean four years. He, you know, he's like bartending now to like help w with his income. 
and he's doing he just he, he and he's doing some really cool stuff. He just did a, he just did like an indie horror film that looks really it's like more in the style of like a weird eighties gross out horror. It is like is a comedy kind of. It's like I saw it. I'm previously like, oh, this is kind of the horror that I that I would want to watch. Mm. It looks really funny and really interesting actually. And he's got Kumel Nanjiani in it because they were like best. They're still very good good friends. You know, Kumel's gigantic now or was for a bit. And, uh, I don't know what he's doing now, but it's um to hear it, like yeah, I'm like I'm but I'm able to do these things that I want to do now. Yeah. I goes you know, and it just and I'm able to be the person. I could just there was like there was a maturity I heard in his voice. And an ability to think about things. Um, he was always like kind of a d- deeper guy, but I could tell he was, it seemed like he was just at peace and was able to go deeper a little bit quicker and really thought about certain things. And he's been mm. through some, some stuff and it, it made me think about like just what, you know, like what we're kind of going through, which is a period of profound change, I think, for both of us yeah. right now. And this idea of like, I think if we were to stay, doing what we were doing. If you were to stay with in ministry, and if I think if I were to stay like working for the church, it actually would be detrimental to us in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's something about for me that's allowing me to own a little bit more of my faith. Able to say, no, I really do believe this this help I don't feel as tortured. I don't know if that's even the right word, but like I don't feel this sort of like pull that I used to have before. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and there's an element of, you know, C.S. Lewis has that great line where he says, the most dangerous Christian is the one who looks around the world seeking evidence of God and upon finding none still believes. And and he means, like, there's so much horribleness in the world. There's so much evil. Life is so hard. I'm suffering. You're suffering. We're all suffering. Where is God? And they find him in the suffering. And this is this is the thing that I keep coming across. Like, right now, my wife is doing Bible in a year, and I'm doing it with her. and she was never one to read the Bible, like to just sit down and read through it and, you know, try to research and do stuff like that or listen to commentaries. And I love that stuff. I nerd out with that stuff, but not just nerd out. Like it feeds my soul. That's one of those things that feeds my soul. So one of the things that I keep coming back to, like when you were talking about, and even talking about like Gunger and, and the jars of clay people and all the deconstruction and stuff going on, like there's an element where I feel like they would still be Christians today. If once a year they would just go to a Benedictine monastery and have a seven days of silence. And there's so much noise in the Christian media world that we mm-hmm. bring it into our own lives, into our own hearts, like this constant need to produce. It's really funny. Today I, I went on YouTube and I was going to watch something and Laura Horn had just released a video where she said that she's leaving, she's quitting her YouTube channel. And she got like thousands and thousands of subscribers, like super quick. And I watched about half of it and then it was time for dinner. So I ended up turning off. I didn't finish it, but she was just basically saying there comes this part where you, you love doing the videos that your whole life. You're like, that's content. That's content. That's content. Ooh, this interaction with my kid, that's content. And then I think there comes a point where you're like, um, no, no, this isn't content. This is my life. And I can't, I have to stop thinking like we always have the joke where we'll be in the middle of a, of a, friendly conversation on the phone and then we'll be like save it for the show you know we don't really do that very much anymore and i honestly think like when our show went through that that big slump like in the middle and we you know whatever post uh scandal stuff i i really do think that that was an element it's like okay we've done the 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 first album that was the breakaway hit and the sophomoric follow-up release now we're like this is who we are this is what we do 
come if you want it but like you got to find yourself and part of it is it's easy to get lost in social media it's easy to get lost in this Mm -hmm. and i don't want i would rather you know i mean we've said this before if the moment it becomes detrimental to our spiritual walk and sometimes you can't tell that's when the, all these things have to go. That's when working for the church has to go or working at a, you know, the Petrus roofing and solar company has to go or working for that man as you has to go. Like if it becomes a detriment, but it's so hard when you're on, like when you're doing a church thing, there's like a, a, a conveyor belt that you feel like is pushing you forward. Even if you don't know you want to go forward, sometimes yeah. that might keep you in the church, but other or keep you from mortal sin or keep you from making a bad decision. But sometimes it keeps you from asking honest questions that the Bible, like when I read Job, which is what you're kind of going through now in the Bible in a year, when you read through it, it's like, it's so brutally human, right? If you just listen to the guy's words, it's so brutally human. And I, I've never heard anyone read it better than father Mike Schmitz. He reads it with such intense emotion. And mm-hmm. when I hear Job, I hear like, Oh gosh, this was me two years ago when we were going through the miscarriage. You know, this was me when Shannon refused to, after I yeah. broke up with her, refused to accept me back and I was crying on the <laughs> Father David Huss floor and you're like, it's going to be okay, buddy. <laughs> you're sleeping on the couch. I'm on the floor. Father David, God knows where he was at that time. <laughs> yeah. Life is, it's going to be okay. Ooh, yeah. it, Get me out of here. going to die in three months. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get real okay. And uh, somehow I'm still going to be trying to date. She, she, she shall not be named. Yeah. It, eight years ago today, that, that, that was funnier in my head. Eight years ago today, I posted a Facebook post. A Facebook reminded me that said, "Attention, world! Catholic stuff you should know." Said that our podcast, Catching Foxes, was brilliant. I'm just going to leave this here. God bless you all. <laughs> that was one of my <laughs> Facebook posts. That eight was years a, ago. That was a moment that for me, man. That was when I heard Father. Was that was Father? I can see his face. I can't. I can't remember his name. Father Nepple. Uh, no, it was uh, the Byzantine one. Um, Father, my God. Father Michael. Father Michael. Yes, ever since COVID, oh, I swear. Awkward. I just like my brain. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm like, I'm like, I, knew I saw him, him at sea. He, he was the one that I, I was friends with. Um, when, he, when he said that, because I, I like invited him to like our page on, on Facebook, and he was like, oh, please, like his approval for me was like, okay, okay this is actually good. Like, this yeah. might be good. I respect yeah. his opinion. Okay, this might be good. Um, Anyways, yeah, that was a great moment. That's just so funny that you brought that up. Um, it's funny. But, I, I but seriously, talking- like, while I have you on here, have you thought about going solar? Because I know a guy who could help you with the process, even financing. <laughs> I'm your guy. I know every. I'm not here to swindle you, man. We're going to sell you batteries at cost. At Petra's Roofing and Solar. We want to help the world be a greener, better place. Hey, guys. What's up? This is Luke. Uh, I apologize for the bad audio. I am doing this on my headphones because my mic is broken. Yay! Okay. But, I'm here one, to get paid. But then two, actually this is more important to me, to talk about these Steubenville conferences. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, for any long period of time, which is all of you, you know how important these conferences are to me, what they have on the episode with my mom, talked about how she met my dad at a Steubenville conference. You've heard me talk about how it played a huge role in my conversion. Gomer obviously speaks at them. And okay, so the Steubenville conferences are where teens go to experience a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. There are three days of amazing speakers and opportunities for powerful worship, adoration, and confession with hundreds of other teens. 
And they're honestly some of the best youth conferences in the country, in my opinion. I love them. I think they're great. They're very important. And I really, if you have some teenagers in your life, I encourage you to get them to one of these conferences. There are dates throughout the summer and locations across the country. These conferences have been running for decades, uh, and tens of thousands of Catholics across the United States will tell you their life completely changed when they first encountered Christ at a Steubenville conference. I am one of those people. Uh, there's a direct link from the Steubenville conferences in you know June of 1997. Actually, I think I went in July to this show right now, to me being here, and the and all the following conferences after that. I I genuinely cannot imagine my life without the Steubenville conferences, and not just like the role they've had, but like how I encountered the Lord there, how I encountered others, and through encountering others, I encountered the Lord. Listen, if you're on the fence about this, go. They're great. They're really great. Gomer's going to be speaking at them, obviously. Click the link to learn more about them. All conferences are open for through registration right now. So this is your sign. If you have been waiting for one, if you're in high school, one, why are you listening? But two, go to your parents and say, hey, do something. Have me go to this conference. If you've got teens, take them to this. This is They are wonderful. So again, all, all of these Steubenville conferences are happening across the country. They're now open for registration and catching foxes heartily with all the enthusiasm you can muster. A Luke at his peak in Austria in 2003 type of enthusiasm encourages you to go to the Steubenville conferences. Thank you for the Steubenville conferences. can't believe that these words are coming out of my mouth for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Also, props to me for keeping that clean. You know, I, I'm pretty proud of myself. That was, you should all be happy with that. <laughs> okay, I'll stop talking. What are you going to say? Don't want to hear about any of it. Oh, I mean, like, I don't care. It's just, you know, we have to wrap it up here. <laughs> I, what am I trying to say? I, I, I had a um, conversation with a really good buddy of mine who's a listener of of the show and uh, like one of my best friends and we were, t- he was t- we were talking about communion and liberation and he's a focused missionary and he was like yeah he was like I like I went to that but I just like I would just like I would rather like pull out the gospel and just like can we just like break that open and just read that and I was like no man I, I need to be like is belief rational because if not mm-hmm. it's going to make me go crazy like I need to think why do we believe this what does this even mean what is reality like I need to ask these deep things or I'm not going to be able to enter into that and it's funny, the more I've thought about it and the more I have allowed myself to really, particularly after this last interview I just had, it was definitely not a church job. I feel like I still need to have those um, conversations. That's what like speaks to the depths of my soul. It's like, what is this? Yeah. But there's not a, an element now of like, no, I need it or I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> like, I think I'm in a position now where I'm going to be more able to like enjoy things. Like, it's not that I wouldn't listen to the Bible in, the, in a year. It just, that stuff wouldn't necessarily, like, I needed, because I was around it all so much. Yeah. There's this element of, like, why is this even rational in the first place? I feel like yeah. I need it to, like, help, you know. And it's just funny, like, now it kind of gives me a little bit of space to be like, okay, like, I don't know. Just so I can enter in, in, into this a bit more. So I, I, I might be, like, so much, I don't know, like, so much of what I want, the things that I do, I'm, I, it's always so intense and it's always so serious. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm wondering if like, maybe I need to kind of like, I wonder if that's kind of like my hindrance almost to like a certain extent that it's like, no man, you just need to like, listen to this podcast for a bit. Maybe like, maybe I just need to be okay with the hell of Cause like, I, I just, I, I love it. I think it's cool. I have some problems with like the whole techno aspect of it, mm-hmm. but I also totally get why people love it. It makes complete sense. Yeah. And there's this part of me that's just like, maybe it's time to grow up and to like understand a little bit. I, I, I don't mean grow up as like, this is an immature point point of view, but understand that understand Technique's role within our our culture and understand this as the tool that it is and to keep it in check. Yeah. And for me, that's a sign of like, that's a maturity that I think I'm kind of being called into a bit is like, as I'm getting older, and particularly as, as I'm working, working through things, like I'm letting a lot of my personal crusades die because it's time. Mm. It's just time. And there are things that I'm going to keep doing that I think are going to be like healthy for me that I would encourage other people to do. But there's also this element of like, I can't be fighting something. I don't know. I, I, it's almost like to grow up a bit, I have to like let go of certain things that are not that they're bad or, but that like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Rings I, I, of a tree, man. Rings of a tree. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? These things yeah. were super helpful for you in your 20s and 30s that they might not be helpful for you anymore. And this is the thing that I encounter like when I was just with the high school students at St. Dominic High School. The kids that came up to me to talk to me after my talks, they said, you know, a, a large part of what I was talking about was performative identity. You have to earn who you are in the sense of someone giving you love. And then from, and I try to show them like, well, this is the exact opposite of what God the Father is in our, for us, because Jesus Christ is the performer for your identity. What he did is, you know, that's why we call it the good news, right? It's something that already happened and it's good, so you should share it. The idea is like, it's not about what I do in order to get God to love me. It's what God did for me out of love for me. And so in Ephesians, when it talks about, by grace you have been saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. And then it says, for you are God's workmanship, right? You're the thing that God is working when we talk about works. It's you. And this is such a Catholic understanding that, that just sounds Protestant for many of us because you know we're always trying to argue for the place of the role of works versus faith and blah, blah, blah. But all of that is nonsense. It's all grace. You are God's workmanship. And if once you understand like your identity is non-performative, then it lets you perform well, right? Because I'm not anxiously trying to Mm. prove to the world that I'm the edgy Christian guy who's not going to be bought out by, you know, tooth and nail records and God's not an American. Like, okay, when you were in your 20s, you had to, maybe you had to fight off the 12 bad examples of christianity that were stodgy old-fashioned you know whatever and you needed that in order to stay christian right you needed to feel the edginess of tooth and nail records and all that stuff but now it's like okay but now i see the point of these stable forms or whatever it might be like Mm -hmm. i don't always have to be that guy anymore 
But it doesn't mean that you being that guy was wrong then. That might have been the thing that the Lord was using to keep you in the church. But now it's like, okay, now I'm in my 40s. I have a kid. I'm divorced. I need to look at my life through a new lens. And that new lens might, the the thing that got me, you know, sustained my faith and all this stuff and, and kept me, you know, that, that might have been the lens that kept me surviving. But now it's not useful anymore. Rings of a tree. I got to leave that ring behind. And now there's a new ring that I'm forming. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm open to how you move. Yeah. Cause, but this is the trust part. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like we're, we're given headlights, not, you know, not, uh, not airport runway lights where you can see every inch of the, of the field, right? Like we're driving at night with our headlights in a country road. That's what life is. We can see a few feet in front of us and that's about it. And mm-hmm. yeah. And this just the element of trust that, that shocks me. Right. But it's always that. I love that idea about like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, high school Luke loved the DC talk, early high school Luke and junior high Luke and late and like older elementary school Luke loved DC talk. Gomer, did college Luke like DC talk? Oh, college Luke despised DC talk. He did. He thought he he did. And I remember post college uh, Luke, when I had, my internship started to think more about DC talk and was like, you know, for what it was, it was fine. It was totally fine. It just mm-hmm. wasn't what I was, you know, you know, when I got real edgy and weird, I remember people being like, what? I remember like Katie has, when you made a joke about like Luke hates Toby Max, she looked so confused. And she was like, we went and saw DC talk like three years ago. And I was like, Shh, don't, don't, don't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And I'm actually going to be going to a thing. Uh, one of, I mean, he's, he's my friend too, but he's very good friends uh, with with Emily and Brian, him and his wife. This uh, is 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 my sister and my brother in law. But there's this guy. Uh, his wife used to work for Go To Records, which is owned by Toby Mac, and he played in a band that's going to have a reunion show down in Nashville. They're not they weren't on the Christian band or anything, but uh, he's mm-hmm. good friends with Michael Tate of DC Talk. That's so funny. So I'm going to be going to this show, and Michael <laughs> Tate's probably going to be there. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> you know, yeah. the entire time. And I'll, I mean, I will play it cool. But like, like when he had the idea for this band, he was like in Michael Tate's kitchen t- talking to him about it. And they're like best friends with Emily and Brian. And Emily and Brian are going to be in Nashville for the reunion show. And Emily asked me, to dude, that's awesome. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, this is funny because like you guys, for me, you'd be yeah. like, what? Lucas, but like to a whole other group, but like that's the change, right? Yeah. It's like, and that's, you know, and it just, it's, um, I've been, I read the movie Go by Walker Percy. Have you read that? Hmm. You need to read it. You I know. Absolutely need I know. I've got like it three is, of his it books. It is something else. Yeah. It is something. It is like, man, I love the right. literature so much. It is something else. And it like, I saw un- un- unpacking a lot of stuff, but it's funny, like you're talking about that, like, Ultimately, this is a guy who's really struggling with like the everyday, and he's see, he thinks he's doing the everyday stuff right, but it's not bringing him happiness. And there's there's a lot going on, a lot that I, I identify with, particularly at the end. And I don't want to spoil anything. Um, not to, like, it's one of those books where I don't think the spoil part really matters, but like there's something about when you're exposed and you see yourself for like the wretch that you are. And then you see that grace is actually possible. 
in that and that you can like move on from that and you can actually heal from that and the people that you hurt that you let down can be yeah. like part of your life again it's pretty interesting i'm, I'm trying to give like it's 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 a really like and as as i get older and the stuff i, I think it's like it's not a movie like you know you don't ever get the spike spike the football. There are some bummer parts about that in terms of like everything that's always going on, but there's some really good parts too, which is that like redemption is entirely possible and per- mm-hmm. perspective can be there. And like it's just, you know, it's interesting how like when you're willing to let go, like you were saying, and you're willing to and you're willing to trust and you're willing to be like enter into the suffering, what can come out on the other side of that. Yeah. It can be really scary because sometimes it feels super overwhelming. There's still tons of things that I have questions about as it relates to this stuff. But like that, long story short, I'm excited for my real 40s now. Mm. I'm excited about what this means, you know? Yeah. So, rings on a tree. Oh, I, I was going to say one last thing. Me bringing up my 20s was not me trying to be like, was not me trying to like relive it. Right. But it was interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I think there was a part of me that wanted to talk about this stuff to be like, this is what I think about all this. Am I crazy? There was a little bit of wanting to just have some like healthier perspective on it. Uh-huh. And the joke would be Luke wanting to relive his 20s. But in reality, I was just really trying to process a lot of it, I think. Mm. And just get your, because like what's really great about a podcast when you do one is you're able to share your, like your thoughts, have get immediate feedback when you have, when you have a co-host. Yeah. And there was a part of that I think wanted to share with you what I thought and to like, oh, this is like, like, I think it was me actually like growing up and trying to leave that stuff behind. And like in reality, like on the, yeah. on, on the surface, I know I, I would put that, that stuff up as a joke, but it really wasn't like, it was just funny that I, I think some people thought quite the opposite, like what you think, which was like Luke's just trying to like, you know, can't let go or something. But for me, it wasn't that at all. Mm-hmm. It was really more just about like, I, just have some thoughts about this and I think I need to get this out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't mean that like you can't. No, 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 it's not, no, no. I, I just, I just wanted to put that out there. It was just but you are a, you are a stunted, immature little shithead. So that's true. All. No, very true. Very true. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like there are times when I drive. So I, I, I want to drive on Brown street and drive past all the college kids at UD that I just want to stop and walk off. Like, I just like stand around you guys for like five minutes <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't even want to drink with you. I got. excited to be able to sleep through the night tonight. So I'm not going to have a drink. I just want to be around <laughs> this for like five minutes. And I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. You'll never see me again. Just, just maybe at one point, go. See you later, man. And then I'll be like, yeah. "Bye, guys. See you tomorrow." Then I'll get in my car and drive off into the sunset. It's funny how I watch old with school slick the other shoes day. playing on the radio. Hey, their new stuff is great. Um. Uh, so I watched Old School with Nick and Megan a couple of um, weeks ago, and I used to watch it, and I would identify with, like, the young college kids. And then now I'm seeing I'm identifying with Frank the Tank completely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> completely. Yep. And, like, yep. <laughs> hey, can I tell you uh, how I psychologically abuse my children through media? Yes, please. So remember when I played uh, The Dark Knight, and I thought they would love it after years of Marvel movies, and I looked mm-hmm. after the bank scene, they're like, why are they? Why are they killing their friends? Right in the bank robbery <laughs> scene. 
And then I was like, oh, dear God, what have I done? <laughs> what have I failed to do? I could stop it right now, but you know, they got to see, um, or but, they have to see Rachel die. <laughs> <laughs> while, while, right. her, while her lover's face, half of it is on fire. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Guys, uh, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's better than Tommy Lee Jones' version. <laughs> I, uh, we watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes. My daughter, my daughter Cecilia, she did not want to, she did not want to watch it. And she's like, I don't want to watch a bunch of animals killing a bunch of humans. I'm like, that's not what happens. And I'm like, I'm exactly what happens. There's a couple scenes where that happens, but really it's about the Alzheimer drug and all that stuff. And then as we were watching, I was like, I'm sorry. Wait, is that the first one? That's the first one with James Franco. Oh no, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. There's a couple scenes, like he bites the finger off of one guy. Yeah. Fine. I mean. It's That's, fine. Yeah, no. Twelve is an appropriate age for that film. Well, I mean, my eight-year-old, my ten-year-old, my twelve-year-old, my thirteen-year-old all watched it with. Yeah, it's a bit much, but at the end, they seemed to like it, and I had fun. I showed Everly's Chris Farley clips. I, I felt like it was time, and yeah. so I'm like, okay, we're going to watch this one of him falling down a mountain because it's really funny. And it's you know, I would never have thought Black Sheep would be the first thing I would want to you know, show her of Chris Farley, but it's it's just you know, it's great. And she, and she like thought it was kind of funny, but she was laughing because I was laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, now it's time to move to Hurley, he boy." <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, "Because ah, I was laughing, yeah. like let the boy sleep in your bed." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna make one comment as an older dad to you. Okay, mm-hmm. and I need you to receive this. It's gonna be hard. Right. This is the hardest thing okay. I've had to receive. You desperately want your beautiful daughter. To share in the joys of the things you love. Mm -hmm. Some of those things. It is better to wait. Because you will have to go through the horror. Of watching an immature mind. Encounter our profoundly mature. Comedy and (laughs) action movies. And they will not (laughs) like it. And then they'll be so sour about it. That they'll they'll catch you watching it. And be like oh that crap. And then you will hate them. So I'm just saying. (laughs) Sometimes it's You'll better to wait. You'll fire of the internet commentator. Like, no, <laughs> I know. Like today, oh my for instance, we're looking for movies. And I go, uh, we, we're temporarily subscribed to the Paramount Plus app. And I'm going through all their free movies. And there's all the Indiana Jones movies. And I say, guys, this Indiana, I'm like, Indiana Jones on the Lost Crusade. Or in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, one of the greatest movies of all time. It's, it's great action adventure. And they just, they're just looking at the cover of the movie and they go, seems lame and old. I'm like, I would get so angry. I know. I know. <laughs> I and then I see so Back to the angry. Future and I'm like, oh, they're man. just not ready. They're just, even the, the, the teenager, they're just not ready. And I already ruined Star Wars by exposing them to it. So when they saw Empire, now here's the good news. They love the original. They love Empire. They love Return of the Jedi. They yeah. love the And they like the prequels. And I've talked to him about the prequels. We're only allowed to watch it, you know, once every two years or so. But going through it, like I realized, like, oh, they, you know, they were four, five, seven, and eight when they heard Luke, I am your father. And that's kind of a big deal to understand what that is. And they're just like, oh, he's his dad. Cool. And I'm like, no, what? It's like, yeah. And then my oldest is like, it's kind of obvious. Vader means father in Dutch. And I'm like, you should. Damn it. Anglican patrimony is going to bite me in the ass. He didn't plan that out, though. 
Vader being his father thing. No, uh, Vader, the name Vader means father in Dutch, and it was directly chosen because of that. No, he did not. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's what and, I heard in an interview. No, that is not true. When he makes the first one, he has no intention of him being Luke's dad. Mm. It's not until he writes Empire that he, like, there's, there's, a, there's a backstory okay. in this, to the sense of, like, there is a backstory about Anakin and Darth Vader and all this, but it's like, it, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I. No, like, I think you're right. I think you're right, because I remember hearing that's why they had to do the retcon in the second movie. Because exactly. they had to say, like, well, your father did die and Vader did kill him, in a sense. Yeah. You know? You said betray. Yeah. And it's like, and it's one of, like, it's one of the, it's just, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's, it's a great reveal. It's a great twist. It's a great, you know, but it's just, it's not a, I think the idea is that he's just meant to be like a dark, like a, like a you know, master of the dark. Yeah. If that makes sense. But, um, I, I love how I think- the timeline is so dumb when you go from prequels to the regular movies where it's like, the uh, Jedi yeah, were basically was... running everything for like, like everyone loved the Jedi. Everyone wanted the, the Jedi were everywhere. And then it, like it opens up with like your devotion to that ancient religion is, you know, and like the opening scene where, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin says that. And I'm like, but you were, you were in the prequels. Like, <laughs> like you 20 years people. is not, it's not enough. No, I no. Well, I mean, just no. I like in, um, uh, in the sequel trilogy or whatever it's called. Um, they're like, Luke Skywalker's real? It's like, everyone would know. Yeah, come on. Yeah. The Empire, everyone would know who killed, like, yeah. It, it's not like the Empire is just this thing that, like, kind of, like, there's, there may not to be this, yeah. It's, Star Wars quickly crumbles when you look at, but, like, if you can just, yeah, Star Wars, know, it I'm, really I'm does. One those, I'm one of those people where, like, um, there's this great thing that the guy who plays Biff Cannon, uh, Tumble says he's got that um, uh, song called Stop Asking um, uh, Me the Questions. Oh, yeah. And on one part, it's like, do they really have like cover abortions? Goes, it's a movie. <laughs> Stop asking yeah. me the questions. And like, yeah. so I'm like, it's, a, it's like, it's, it's a movie. Like, let it go. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. But just, you know, like, this is the thing that I, uh, we can end on this note. I do yeah, hate, sorry. like, Part of the reason why we fall in love with movies and books is the world building, but then the obsession that comes from it and the fighting over canon and stuff. I feel like in uh, with all the like missteps that Disney and Marvel have taken and in the you know like the rewriting characters and all these things, I'm just like I am very sympathetic to South Park's version of of things or critique of things, which is like. Yeah, you try creating content for this kind of rabid fan base. They're going to hate everything. And you're like, yeah, no, they really will. They really will. God help us all. Oh, just the, the whole episode where he's like, oh, the Simpsons did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think all right, man. Gonna, yeah. Uh, you're we'll a beautiful man. Thank you, Franciscan University yeah. Conference yeah. Office. Thank you, uh, The Sun, for bringing us sweet, sweet solar energy that we can pump <laughs> through delightful and, and at an all time low price per watt. Uh, put on our roofs and in our backyard. Listen, no free advertising. Uh, what if someone put a 20 underneath a pie and gave it to you? Well, then, I forget what the response is in, in the film, but that also would mean that no, I don't commit suicide. You would. Okay, good. We're good. <laughs> oh, can I tell you a sad thing? Someone sent me a, a message and they said, hey, check this out. A YouTube video of your prison that you go to. 
I had no idea of the Ferguson unit, which is a, somewhat notorious prison. It was like when Texas had five prisons, it was one of the five, like original prisons. So that's how old it is. But there's a whole podcast on going through the Ferguson, like how the Ferguson is like going to hell. And there's a whole there's a whole YouTube like thing dedicated to the Ferguson unit, and you're just like, oh yikes! And there's that guy who was a Crip member, and he was like, you know, he's like, I think all my years in the gang and gang banging. Uh, it was just the Lord preparing me to go into the Ferguson unit and survive. And it was like, holy crap. <laughs> Gosh, I could never... I, it's the reason I don't like jail films. I like the idea of being in jail. <laughs> so it just stresses me out. But then why do you work for the church? Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you to Franciscan for sponsoring this episode. Sorry for the cursing. Thanks for the degree.